Romans chapter 8, verse 15, it says, For God did not give you a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you receive the spirit of sonship. Everybody say sonship. And now we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit or bears witness with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are also heirs. Everybody say heirs. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. So we're heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. So we're in on this thing. It's not like... It's not like we're so disconnected with God. He's, we're in on it. Are you with me? We're, we're, we're co-heirs with Christ, right? We're heirs of God or heirs of what God has promised. And, you know, it's interesting in the scripture here that it says a spirit of sonship. And, and some translations say uh, adoption. But really that word adoption, if you study that word out, whatever translation you're using, that word sonship or that word adoption actually means to make a son. Now, when it speaks of a son, it's not being gender specific. Okay, are you with me? It's speaking of position. So when God calls you a son, daughter of God, he's not calling you, he's not calling you a man. He's calling you by your position, your position to his throne, your position to his inheritance, because a son didn't get the inheritance. If sons and daughters got the inheritance, then everything would be messed up. Then some people would be doing this and other people would be doing this and all the money would be jacked up. So he said, hey, let's set up the system. The sons will be the one that gets the inheritance. And when they marry someone, they'll get part of the inheritance too by marriage. So he said, the sons will be the ones. The sons will get the inheritance the way God set it up. So when it says that we receive a spirit of sonship, it's not just saying, hey, I'm a child of God, all's good in the hood. No, it's saying, hey, you are now an heir to God and a co-heir with Jesus. John 1, 12, we, we've quoted this a little bit. It says, those who believed in him and accepted him, he gave them the right to become children of God. So it's a right that God has given you. It's a right, a privilege that you haven't earned. It's a privilege that Jesus has deemed you worthy of receiving. The word there, we've talked a little bit about this, the word there uh, for the, where it says um, he gave them the right to become sons of God, it says that in some translations, it says power. Some have been given the power to receive uh, the power to become sons of God. That word there is exousia. There's two words for power in the Greek and in the, in the New Testament. One is dunamis, which is what we talk about, like power, like explosive power, like boom, that's powerful, like a building blows up. And then there's exousia. When exousia is like the power that like a president has, the authority that he has, the power that a police officer has, the authority that he has to pull you over when you're speeding, right? So this is exousia. So when it says that you have the right to become children of God, it's actually saying that you have governmental power as a child of God, that God has delegated you an authority to rule over. Oh. So as sons in the kingdom, we have government authority or rulership. We have been given 
this thing, what we call the kingdom of God. I remember when I first got saved, I thought the kingdom of God was what was going to happen when I died. The kingdom of God is not what happens when you die. The kingdom, it is what happens when you die, but not when you die physically. It's what happens when you die to your own ways and say, God, I'll take your way. And then he adopts you in to his family and you inherit the kingdom. You receive this thing called the kingdom of God. Now, what is the kingdom? The kingdom is God's dominion. It's God's domain. It's where God rules. Are you with me? You guys with me? So, it's so as not just kingdom citizens, but as children of God, God has given us the kingdom of God to actually govern. So, although we are not the king of the kingdom, we are governors of it. We are sons of the king. And how many know sons of the king have some authority because we receive the inheritance? Now we function with power. We have all this coming out. Listen, our inheritance. Is, is not only promised for personal provisions, but delegated for demonstrated dominion. Let me say that again. Our inheritance is not only promised for personal provisions, but delegated for demonstrated dominion. So God has given you this thing called the kingdom, not just so you can be like, oh yeah, it's awesome. Everything's okay with me. Everything's okay with my family. No, God has given you this Boom, so you can give it away. So you have it and you release it. You release it. Jesus is interesting when Jesus told the people, when he gave them the great commission, great commission he said, go out and lay hands on sick people and let them get, he didn't, be, he didn't say go out and pray for them to get healed. He said go out and get them healed. He gave them the authority. He gave them the power to do that. Now, it is, it is through the power of the Holy Spirit. This is how we, you know, release it. This is how it comes through our lives. But it is something that we actually, you know, we're, we're sitting around all the time. and We're like, God, would you just do this? And God, would you just do this? And God's just saying, hey, would you just do it? What will you do with the power that I've already given you, that I've already put inside of you? Will you go out? Instead, we just sit around with a little bit of hope and we go, well, wouldn't it be nice if this happened? And our prayers are more like wishes really than they are really a connecting God to this planet. Instead of being the ambassadors that God has called us to be. This is how children function. When, when we started Overflow, you know, months back, and we, 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 a year ago, we had this conversation with the kids. We said, we're going to go and we're going to pastor a church. I didn't say, Daddy's going to be the pastor, and you're going to be the pastor. I said, we're going to go, and we're going to all be pastors. So now, sometimes, our kids are like, when they talk to people about our church, and they talk about overflow, they're like, yeah, we're the kids' pastors. You know, and it's interesting that they do that. They haven't really been, we haven't deemed them that. We haven't, you know, said, you're the kids' pastor, and you're going to, you know, have authority and all this kind of, but what, what I'm trying to get at is that we have, they understand that there is an authority, that this is something that we're in on together. So listen, you being part of the family of God, you have that demonstration power. You have the, 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 the power inside of you. Now it's just time to demonstrate it. It's already been delegated. So many times we think it's promises, something that we're attaining. Listen, promise is something we already have. Are you with me? It's like God is the supplier, right? But we're like shipping, right? We're the ones that are going out and delivering the product from heaven, right? I mean, God's not coming in, in a rare occasion he does. God's not coming in and, and walking to people and be like, hey, I would just like to witness to you on my behalf, right? 
Hey, I'd like for you to come to me. No, we're the ones that have that power. We're the ones that have that dominion. The reason why we don't see people healed is because we're not praying for them. The reason why we're seeing people poor is because we're not partnering with them. Oh. So, about this inheritance, our, first of all, let me just say this, that our inheritance is received. See, we think that we've kind of done something to get this inheritance. No, it's received, and it starts with rightness. It starts in this position, this position of sonship. And listen, when we, when we inherit, when you inherit something, anybody in here ever got inherited something? Okay, that's awesome. So when you inherit something, it's not something you do the work for, right? Okay, say that you inherit blue eyes. I inherited blue eyes. Moriah inherited my blue eyes, right? She didn't do anything to get those blue eyes. She just gets them because she's my daughter. She's, it's a product of her being my daughter, right? Judah's good looking, right? He didn't get that way because he chose to be good looking. He got that way because his daddy is good looking, right? And so, so, so he inherited that, right? So <laughs> inheritance is, is not something that we earn. And this is what we think. We think, oh, we're, we're growing in our inheritance. No, you're, you're not growing in your inheritance. Your, her- your inheritance is there for you. We inherit something. It means somebody else already put the work in. When my father dies, I will receive an inheritance from him. Scripture says that good men do this. And so when he dies one day, and I'm not looking forward to that day, but when he dies, I will receive a sum of money from him. And it's because I'm a son. There's no other reason. It's just because I'm a son. And he loves me because I'm a son. Um, a couple weeks ago, I guess actually about three weeks ago, my neighbor knocked on my door and he said, hey, I'm going to be out of town. Um, do you know anybody that might be interested in mowing my yard? I was like, oh, man, I'll, I'll mow it for you. He's like, well, he's like, I might not need you to. My nephew might come and mow it and this kind of stuff. And so I had a little conversation with him, got his number, and then so he left, went on his trip, and then I saw his, his, his nephew or whatever mow his yard. Well, about two weeks later, I'm out mowing my yard, and I noticed that his grass hadn't been cut. And I know he's been back in town. He's been going to work, and he kind of works nights and stuff like this. And I actually kind of enjoy lawn work. It's good thinking time for me. And so I'm, you know, mowing my yard, and I get over there, and I look at his grass, and I'm like, I could tell he was home. There were two cars in the driveway, and I knew he was home. I was like, I wonder if I could mow that yard real quick without him knowing about it. And, uh, you know, not because his yard needed to be mowed, because I just wanted to you know, love on my neighbor a little bit. And so, man, I cranked, you know, had to go to the gas station and get some more gas because I didn't, wouldn't have enough to finish off ours. And I, you know, jumped on the lawnmower, you know, as quick as I could. I mowed his yard, went and edged it. And, you know, I actually do, do a better job on that than I do my own, you know, because I'm like, man, I want to make sure it's right. And, uh, and then so this week, so I did it, you know, I didn't make any fuss about it. I didn't, you know, go tell him, hey, <laughs> did you notice I mow your yard, you know? <laughs> Nothing like that. And so a week later, I'm mowing my yard again, and I was like, man, he, he hasn't mowed his yard. And I was thinking, he hadn't said anything, which is fine. I, I wasn't doing it for any kind of reward. I was just wanting to bless him. And I thought, I'm going to do it again. And so I was like, no, 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 I was just trying to, and I just really felt like the Holy Spirit wanted me to do it. So I just went out there and I mowed his yard and everything. I kind of peeked over his back fence like, and it hadn't been mowed in like a month. I was like, so I didn't mow his backyard because I felt like I'd be invading his privacy. So anyway, I finished up and did all that. Now, this is something for him, I can tell, the guy that works nights, it's a burden for him to mow his lawn. It's not something that he gets pleasure out of. But for me, 
I kind of enjoy mowing lawns. And I also kind of enjoy loving on my neighbor. And so I thought, I'm just going to mow his yard. I mean, it's only going to take me like, what, 15 more minutes than what it's going to take me to go ahead and finish up mine. So I just went ahead and I mowed it again. And I was thinking, you know, this is the exact same way as our inheritance is. This guy didn't have to do anything. He didn't have to come knock on my door. He didn't have to pay me any money. He didn't have to thank me. He didn't have to say anything. He just needs to allow me to do it. And I'm, I'm not committing to him that I'm going to do it to the end. But for something that might be a burden to him, I get pleasure out of doing it. And so this is what our inheritance is like. It is receiving, I'm not trying to toot my own horn tonight, but it's receiving something that really has nothing to do with the receiver. It has a whole lot more to do with the giver. So our inheritance is received. He inherited his grass cut, right? He inherited lawn work by being my neighbor, right? He hasn't been a bad neighbor. He hasn't, he's been a good neighbor, but I'm just doing it because his yard needed to be mowed. And I wanted to be a, a good neighbor to him. So he didn't do anything for it, but he gets it. Colossians 1, 12 through 14 says that he has enabled you to share in the inheritance that belongs to his people. Who gives, uh, who, who, that belongs to his people who live in the light. For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us. We've used the scripture several times during the series. Transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. Listen, he has enabled you. He has empowered you to receive. He has qualified you. One translation says that qualified. It's not you that gets qualified to receive God's inheritance. And I'm doing a lot of back work here. But listen, you're, it's, it's, you're not qualified on your own accord. Who you are, you are not qualified. But guess what? God says you are. You're qualified because you came in agreement with Jesus and you said, yeah, you can run my life a lot better than I can. And he said, qualified. So you don't have to sit around and go, man, I'm just not good enough. Just not worth. Shut up with all that and just recognize that God calls you qualified. Now, you don't be cocky and arrogant about it. You just understand it and you get it and you, you're good. Are you with me? So, one of the things I love about Jesus, this is in 1 John chapter 3, verse 8. It says, the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. So listen, I believe that if Jesus was, was on the earth to destroy the works of the devil, I believe that we, as kingdom partners, as co-heirs with Christ, are also called to destroy the devil's works. I saw a guy today post on uh, Facebook today. He was like, oh, yeah, the devil's on the prowl. And, and I was like, oh, yeah, and we're on the prowl for the devil's kingdom. I was like, I'm on the prowl too, sucker. I'm coming to take his kingdom out because I have a kingdom that's better than his. So the removal of that kingdom is the expansion of this kingdom. I'm not worried about the devil. It's not like that arm wrestling picture with him and Jesus. That's so stupid. I'm like, there's no, there's no arm wrestling. <laughs> you guys, have y'all seen that ridiculous picture? like Jesus and the devil arm wrestling, like on the world. I'm like, really? Ridiculous. Okay. We have dominion over destruction. Everything that the devil does, listen, everything that the devil does, and what has the devil done? Okay, from the beginning, how was life? How was life in the garden? Man was in right relationship, connected with God. He was going to live forever, right? Perfect health, didn't have a need in his life, all these kind of things. It was a perfect place in the garden. And then what happened? The enemy came in, 
That was his work. Deceived, boom, man submitted to the devil's will, boom, messed everything up. So Jesus, the second item, comes and makes everything right. So by believing, we are basically instituted in the same way that we were in the Garden of Eden before the devil ever showed up. This is our position. Now, we function as they functioned. We will live forever. Physically, we won't, but eternally, we will live forever. In the spirit, we will. So, Jesus, listen, destroyed the works of the devil on the cross. We are destroying the works of the devil in people's lives as we advance the kingdom of God. I'm laying a lot of groundwork here again. So what is our inheritance? Okay, what, what does it look like? Right, because we can talk about the kingdom. We can talk about inheritance. What does inheritance look like? The, our inheritance is the kingdom, but our inheritance is wholeness. Our inheritance is wholeness. It's completeness. Our inheritance is everything provided on the cross. Our inheritance is retribution on everything that the enemy stole, has stolen. Listen, sickness, discouragement, devil ministry. Jesus said, I came to give you life and life more abundantly. The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Steal, kill, destroy, devil ministry. People get sick and they're like, well, you know, God's just, I don't know why God's allowing it. Devil ministry. God isn't in that equation. If God was in that equation, then there would be no sickness there. Don't you understand? Devil ministry. Steal, kill, destroy. Leukemia, devil ministry. Jesus ministry, life, life more abundantly. It's the kingdom. It's what it looks like. It's wholeness. It's completeness. Our inheritance is everything provided at the cross. The complete work on the cross. Listen, there is a difference between being entitled and empowered, right? Entitled means that it has something to do with you. Empowerment means it has something to do with somebody more powerful than you. So God empowers us for the kingdom. We're not entitled. We're not like, oh, yeah, look at the kingdom of God. Look at me. Which carry my Bible. Right? Come on. That's entitlement. Empowerment is, I got authority over this, not because I'm so good, but because God is and it's already taken care of, and let's do this. Destroy the works of the devil. And so what happens is when somebody is empowered versus when somebody is entitled, is entitled people are never grateful because they already had it coming. Empowered people, the difference is they're grateful. They have grateful hearts. Gratefulness emerges during moments of greatness. The word in... It, that we read so many times in the New Testament where it says saved or salvation, the word is sozo, okay? Now, this word sozo in the New Testament in the Greek, it means to save, deliver, or protect, to heal, preserve, save, do well, or to make whole. So whenever we receive the, the completed work on the cross is wholeness, it's completeness. So what does that look like? It looks like this right here, Isaiah chapter 53. I know we got a lot tonight. Let's go through it. Isaiah 53, verse 3. He was despised and rejected by men. A man, a man of many sorrows and familiar with suffering. Like one from whom men hid their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows. Yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him, and afflicted. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds, we were healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray, each one turning to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. 
So what is this? What is wholeness? Wholeness is all the things that are talked about here. here. First of all, wholeness is physical health. Listen, because God is your daddy and because you, you inherit what God has promised, you get physical health. You say, well, I'm not healthy. Well, I'm sorry you're not healthy, but you get it anyway. Well, what about all those people that die? You got to die some way. Well, you do have to die some way, but I don't think you should die sick. Well, God's just using it. God can use anything. Are you with me? We're not talking about God using something. We're talking about God causing something. People think, I've been disobedient to God, so I'm sick. No, 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 no. God punished Jesus. Jesus was punished for your sin. The punishment, the price for sickness has already been paid for. The toll has been paid. It's like you got, you got, a, you got a, a, a toll tag that's paid for. You just drive on the tollway, the tollway of healing. It's yours. If Jesus, I love what Rod Parsley, some of you guys might not know who he is. He, back in my day when I got saved, he was like one of the big name guys. He's still, he's still pretty legit. But he used to say, if Jesus didn't want to heal you, then he wouldn't have. If Jesus didn't want to heal you, then he wouldn't have. Well, Jesus, I just want Jesus to heal me. He has, but I'm not seeing it. I know, but it's still yours. It's still accomplished. Jesus cannot undo what has already been done. So when Jesus healed you by his stripes, you were healed. Now, is it manifest in your body yet? If you asked me a week ago, I would have said not yet. But today I say yes. Now, you don't go around, people get all stupid. I'm not sick, you know. My leg isn't broken off, you know, and it's broken off. My leg isn't, no, it's ridiculous, okay. You say, hey, we need to deal with this. Right? You say, hey, 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 Jack. Okay. So, First Peter chapter 2, verse 24, when Peter mentions this scripture, he says, by his stripes you have been healed, previous sense. You know, I don't recall one time where Jesus laid hands on somebody in the new, in, 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 when Jesus walked the earth and they didn't get healed. In fact, I don't even re- realize one time in scripture where disciples laid hands on people and they didn't get healed. Oh, the power's there. And people say, well, suffering. God can use suffering. God can use suffering. But you know that every time, people always do that. Well, what about Paul say, I grow through suffering. And, oh, suffering produces this. Did you know that every time that suffering is mentioned in the New Testament, it's not talking about physical suffering from sickness. It's talking about persecution. It's always equated with persecution. Will we be persecuted? Absolutely we will. But I want to go out like John. You know, John, they actually tried to kill him. They tried to boil him in oil. They couldn't kill him. So they exiled him to Patmos, right? Second mistake, right? So he's out on this island getting this crazy revelation. So suffering in Scripture is always associated with persecution. So don't, don't relate, oh, I'm suffering. God's causing this suffering because he wants me to be a better person. That's ridiculous. Why would God, that would be like me saying, okay, Judah, I don't want you going out in the street and playing today, so I want to break your arms and legs so you can't leave. That's a good dad, right? Good dads do that kind of stuff. 
I don't understand that reasoning. Acts 10.38, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power at how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. You say, okay, well, how do we pray for people when they're healed? And I hear people pray like this, Lord, if it's your will to heal him. Listen, it is his will to heal him. You say, well, doesn't Jesus say pray the will of God? He sure does. Right here, Matthew chapter 6, in this manner pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Holy is your name. Your kingdom come. We've been talking about that. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So in heaven is there sickness? In heaven is there leukemia or any of this, you know, sickening diseases no on earth as it is in heaven you say well i don't agree with you because i know this person and i know i understand i understand the reality i know faith-filled people that have died with sickening illnesses but it doesn't change the reality that healing is our inheritance this is a greater reality the word of god is a greater reality than what we are experiencing and I'm not satisfied. I'm not satisfied with, because this is what happens. Someone's sick, and we don't really believe in healing. We're like, oh, yeah, 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 I believe it. Oh, we pray for them. We don't contend for it, and we're just like, well, they didn't get healed. I guess it wasn't the will of God. So what do we do the next time person, somebody's sick? Well, we'll just kind of pray for them. Write them down on my little prayer list. And I'll look at it, maybe. I'll pray for them, and we don't. Why? Because we're so discouraged because we're not convinced that the power of God is there to heal. And so we live without it. So how many sick people have you prayed for this week? Okay. Because you know how many you know how many people will get healed that we don't pray for? Zero. None of them. You pray for 100 people, if one person gets healed, that's, that's good. If none get healed, it was good that you were obedient because Jesus said lay hands on the sick. It's part of our commission. It's what we're called to. Okay? You all okay tonight? I, don't, I feel like I'm in, very, in a very convincing mode. I don't, I don't need to be. Secondly, number one, because that's a tough one, right? Physical healing, because we all know somebody, right? We know somebody. We know that somebody, somebody that's died. We've been connected with that, and we're like, well, why didn't God heal that person? He did on the cross. Why, I, why it wasn't delivered, why that didn't line up with heaven, I don't know. I'm not worried about all of that. I'm, I'm, I'm concerned about getting the inheritance on the earth. I'm, I'm interested in seeing it happen. I'm not worried about why it didn't happen. We need to quit thinking about all the times it didn't happen and be hope, faith-filled people that we're called to be and believe until we start seeing it happen. Notice I said seeing it happen. Not content with them. So we call them miracles, right? We call these things miracles. Somebody gets healed and they're miracles. And they are miracles, but they're not part of our normal reality. But they're supposed to be. Look at the disciples. I mean, did God change? Did the Holy Spirit change? Well, the Bible got written, so there was no need for miracles. That's stupid. There's still need for miracles because people need miracles. So for them, it's a miracle, and it's supernatural, but it's really our reality. This is where we're called to live. You all Okay. Okay, so number one, physical health. Number two, emotional health. Isaiah 53, again, he was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and familiar with suffering. 
He carried our sorrows. So the things that you're discouraged about, the things that you're bummed out about, the things that are heavy on your heart or on your mind, He carried that. He's not going to carry it. He carried it. Oh. The punishment that brought us peace was upon Him. Jesus was punished so we could function in peace. That's a word of faith preaching. I don't know what it is, but it's not word of doubt preaching. I don't care what it's called. It's biblical preaching. <laughs> oh. Listen, peace is not the absence of difficulty, but the power to overcome difficulty. Paul said that righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit is the kingdom. So we don't ever have a reason to live and function without peace ruling and reigning in our life. We should always have peace. We should have emotional health. We should be the most joyful, happy people. People should not know us because we're complainers or whiners. Isaiah 61. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me. I love this. The Lord has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom to the captives, and relief, release from darkness the prisoners. Come on. I mean, you know that that was on Jesus. It's on you because you're a co-heir. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God. To comfort all who mourn. Who? All. Well, God's... My suffering, and what about suffering? Comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. And I love this. They will be called oaks of righteousness. A planting of the Lord for the display of, of his splendor. A display of his splendor. A display of the beauty and the glory of God. Emotional health. We, we, we get all emo. He's going to understand. Things just don't ever go my way. Display of his splendor. Are you displaying his splendor? No, I need help with that. Okay, let's do it. Let's display his splendor because this is, this is our inheritance. To be whole emotionally. It's his, it's his splendor I'm displaying, not how I'm feeling on the inside at the moment. Not what I'm discouraged about. I'm displaying his splendor, his goodness, his peace, his joy, his excitement. So, physical health. Emotional health, third of all, economical health. Uh-oh. I'm scared to use the word prosperity because I know how you guys feel about that. Just kidding. Why is that a bad word in church? Prosperity preachers. Man, I'd rather, I'd rather, somebody, I'd rather sit in with somebody that's telling me that God wants to prosper me, prosper me than somebody telling me a lie that God wants to make me poor. God called you to wholeness. Now listen, in, in God's economy, economic health does not mean, mean what the world thinks to us, 
right? It doesn't, okay, it doesn't mean economic health, prosperity in the kingdom doesn't mean that you're going to be driving around in a, you know, a limo with a hot tub in the back, you know, partying up the lifestyle. That's the world's mindset of prosperity. But listen, this is what the world does. Let me tell you what the world does, okay? They go out and they buy like a $100,000 home, which isn't a very expensive house these days. And then they go out and they bomb like a $75,000 car. And they park that car out there. And then they go to the mall and they bomb like, you know, $200 shirts and, you know, $600 shoes. And they look all sharp and everything. Nobody knows what the house looks like, but they want everybody to think that they've got it all together. Right? Because that's what prosperity looks like. Right? So it looks like the people that got it all together that are successful in the world. Listen, God's economy, economic health doesn't look that way. It's not driven by an abundance of things, but it's driven by the heart of generosity. See, how rich or how poor you are has zero to do with how much is in your bank account, what part of town you live in. It has to do with how generous are you. Jesus showed us this with a little woman that just had a, couple, a fraction of a cent to her name. And these guys were coming in, and they were giving all their big bucks and big, big bukus of dollars. And this little old widow walks in and gives a fraction of a cent in the offering. And Jesus said, this woman gave more than you all. And I believe that what Jesus was saying is, she's the rich one here. Because of what is in her heart to give. So you rich, Soka. <laughs> All right, you are wealthy and it has zero to do with the money. I'm telling you, Leslie and I have been so blessed financially. People, when, when people find out how much money we've made over the past 10 years, they freak out. They're like, really? That's all you guys make? I'm like, yeah. They freak out because we've always had pretty decent cars. We've always lived in houses that seemed above our means. They weren't ever above our means. We were always good stewards of what we had. Leslie's never had to work. I've always been the only one working. You know, doing youth ministry for 20 years, you're not making very much money doing that. If you want to make a lot of money, you might not want to go into the ministry. Listen, your inheritance is to remove lack. Listen, God wouldn't expect you to be generous without empowering you with the ability to be generous. Okay? And being generous doesn't mean that you gave $10,000 to a missions trip or you gave $10 to a missions trip. You might be more generous than the guy that gave 10000 You might be richer. But what God wants to do is he wants to remove this, this poverty mindset that we have sometimes. I got around a guy, a family member of mine that was making like probably twice as much as we were and living like he was in the hood. I mean, I was like, really? Like, you're making that much money? And what are you spending all your money on? Didn't have any nice things to show for it, except for a nice car, you know, had that nice car. But no nice stuff. Super unhealthy. You know, just, I was just like, What? You know why? Spirit of poverty. It's a spirit of poverty. See, I don't have a spirit of poverty. Every once in a while it comes and tries to get on me. Months ago, uh, Leslie and I got invited to go to a Rangers game and sit in a, in, a, in a box seat. It was like six boxes down from George Bush, you know. 
and uh, we got invited. We'd never been to anything like that, you know. And uh, we walked in, and uh, I kind of felt like poor. You know what I mean? Like I showed up and I was like, oh man, I've never been, I've never had the money to be in a place like this. And man, I wonder how much does this cost them? Leslie and I are gooing and God, we act like we'd never been there before. You know what I'm saying? And uh, I didn't realize it at the time, but I was really acting like a poor man. Like I was kind of acting like I didn't deserve to be in a place like that. Like God wouldn't bless me to be in a place like that. Like, like a spirit of poverty got on me in that moment. And I was like acting like a little kid in a candy store. And listen, we got to be grateful. and We got to maintain a meek spirit. But here I was acting kind of foolish and kind of stupid at this baseball game with all these people who've been there, done that before, and acting like it. And here I am acting like this poor guy. And I didn't think about it until this week. I was thinking about that. I was like, you know what? I was kind of acting like I was poor that day. I wasn't acting like I was rich. I wasn't acting like I was wealthy. Because I didn't think that I deserved something like that. That's the problem. It's what happens when we have a poor mindset. And I used to be this way. If somebody come and bless me, I'd be like, oh, no, 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 no. I don't want that. And then I started being generous and doing that to people, and I stopped acting like that. Because when you're generous, it teaches you to not only be a good giver, but it teaches you to be a good receiver. Because when someone wants to bless me, bless you, you're like, okay, because you realize that it's really blessing that person to bless you. And you realize, not because you deserve it in your own right, but because you're a child of the king, you know, you know that God wants to provide for you good things. So you just take it and you, you're grateful to the person and you're grateful to the Lord about it. You guys all right? Listen. Philippians 4.19, my God will meet all your needs. What about suffering? According to his glorious riches. Hold on. God will meet all your needs according to your riches and glory. No, his. God is rich, right? God is, is like, he's got like, Fat pockets, you know what I'm saying? Deep pockets. He's, he, he's got it, right? <laughs> Come on, you know what I'm saying? He's got the squirrels. So the thing is, it's the Lord. Listen, he's got it. It's according to his riches. Oh, man. Oh, I just, oh, Lord, if I, according to his riches and glory. Not according to yours. Not according to what you think. According to what he thinks is enough. Meet your needs according to his riches and glory. 2 Corinthians 8 9. Oh, this is a good one. Someone says, oh, God, God likes people when they're poor. Okay. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake became poor. Rich in heaven, poor on the earth, that you might, through his poverty, become rich. wholeness so so how do we get that inheritance how do we appropriate what God's provided for us I'm going to run through this real quick number one believe believe it listen you can take tonight and you'd be like I don't know I don't agree Josh okay you go ahead and believe that and you'll contend and you'll live life not believing it and it'll never happen. 
well, I just want it to be all God. Well, God wants you to have faith. God wants you to walk by faith, not by sight. Last time I checked that without faith, it is impossible to please God. For who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. So God rewards diligent seekers, doesn't he? Those that have faith in him and go, will go after what he's promised. So believe your inheritance. Number two, steward what's in your possession. Right? Not just financial stewardship. What about stewarding our health, right? You eat McDonald's every day, you're probably going to have some health issues. It's probably not going to be because the Lord's finding something good in your suffering. It's going to be because you were stupid. It's going to be why. So I'm not saying that God can't heal somebody. That I love hearing stories of old revivals when people were like 200 pounds overweight and they go into a meeting and their clothes start falling off because God just takes the, the, the fat off of their body. I love that. But we need to inherit the health that we have. That's what I'm believing for. I'm believing like, oh, Jesus, drop 20 pounds. Boom. Right? Oh, thank you, Lord. I want that anointing. <laughs> I want big muscle. Boom. Right? So, steward what's in your possession, number three. And financially, that's the same way. Be a good steward of your money. What are you spending your money? Are you eating out? Y'all don't have any money. How many times a week this is how many times this week did you eat out? What, eight? Well, I wouldn't have any money either. <laughs> we'll go out to eat after service tonight. Okay. Number four. Number three, I'm sorry. So believe, steward, number three, declare your inheritance. Declare it. Declare your inheritance. You're sick, you declare your inheritance. Now, you're not getting all super sick. I'm not sick, I'm not sick, I'm not sick. Don't, yes, you are sick. <laughs> You are sick, but what you're asking is, the, is what your inheritance says about you is going to line up in your body. So you declare your inheritance. God, I believe that you're my provider. You're my provider. You said in your word, God, that you would reward my faith. I'm placing faith in you. You also said, God, that you would meet my needs according to your riches and glory. And I know you don't have to dig no pothole in heaven to deal with this. So, God, I'm asking that you put it on somebody's heart so they can partner with your kingdom and partner with you to come give me some money. Jesus said, men will bring money into, your, into you. He said that. Pressed down, shaken together, will men bring into your bosom. So people, will, God will use people because he likes partnership. He'll use you too. I hope somebody will bring me some money. I hope that too so I can give some money away. Not just so whatever. I can get that new shiny ring or whatever car. Vespa. Okay. Uh, number four, I need to be done. Number four, fight for it. Well, Josh, didn't you say, like, it's not about works and we didn't do anything? No, 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 you don't do anything deserve it. You, you're, not, you're not fighting for the inheritance. You're fighting because you have it. Listen, when God, I'm closing with this, but when God gave the children of Israel the promised land, I mean, no, there's somebody else living there. Come on. God was like, here it is. Here's the promise. Here's the inheritance. Take it. And what, did the, what was the first thing that happened? What was the thing that kept the children in the, in the desert for 40 years? And some guys, spies came up. And they saw the land. They was like, yeah, it's awesome. And then the other guys were like, uh-uh. Oh, no, man. They got giants. 
we thought God was going to just give it to us. And he, he was saying, God is giving it to you, but you still have to go in and you still got to take what God has given you. And so what happened is they come back and they, and they listen to the doubters and they spent 40 years in the wilderness to get their promise. And then after all those people died, all those people died that doubted, then God said, okay, now I'm going to raise up Joshua, who was the one who said, well, along with Caleb, that yes, this is ours. We can go take the promise. They go up to the promise land, Jericho, the first city, and they said, this is our city. This is ours. This is our inheritance. This is our health. This is our financial provision. This is my emotional health. There are some people living there, and God is going to use me to get rid of them. So guess what? It's time to kick out your enemy that's possessing your land, that's possessing your promise. So you will have to fight for it, but you've got to believe it's yours before you fight for it. Don't you stand back content. Well, you know, nothing just ever goes my way. and You know, it's just the way life is. It's just, you just don't, you know, nobody knows. No, you shut up with that, and you say, I know what God has promised me, and I'm going to go in, I'm going to take what God has freaking promised me, and I'm going to get rid of everything that stands in my way. Will you go with me? And you tell your brothers and sisters, say, man, I know, I know that this is what God's promised, but this is where my reality is. I need you to come, and we're going to go, and we're going to take over it. Come on, let's go. God has called you to overcome the obstacles. And then, when you're sitting in your city with all the promise around you, and you go, man, I'm grateful for what God gave you. And this is how we're not spoiled by the inheritance. Because even though it's ours, we still have to go remove what's possessing it. Let's pray.